Gaming MBS episode 213, coming to you Wednesday, October 17th, 2018, in memory of Greg Stafford. Welcome to Gaming NBS Tabletop RPG Podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. <clears throat> welcome back. Welcome if you're new. Just welcome in general. Holy crap. I think it might be done raining. We're supposed to get snow tonight, possibly, Sean. Well, yeah. I, I don't know. Is Madison supposed to get snow or just you uh, people out in the uh, boonies? I think maybe just us, possibly. We'll see. <clears throat> I was sitting in a tree today and uh, it was like misty, cold rain. I'm like, this sucks. Bring on the snow. Had it with this crap. Yeah. Oh, well. Change of seasons. This is also a good sign, though, that GameholeCon is coming. Because when the leaves start to fall, that little chill gets in the air. That means we're uh, going to flee to the Atlanta Energy Center and uh, game our asses off for four days. So it'll be a good time. That is true. So GameholeCon.com. If you don't know what we're talking about, where the hell have you been? Um, not much more to say about that. Anybody else can I sign up for the Uber, Sean? Uh, no. Just just the Edwin? Okay, cool. No, but uh, no. <clears throat> okay. Uh, Evercon.org, just a little heads up on that. That's my gaming convention that happens in January, 4, 5, and 6. Evercon.org, you can check things out. We're getting more uh, um, submissions and all that good stuff coming in. We've got some Adventures League popping up. Last year, a gentleman, um, Bill, had come up to me and said, hey, I'm really interested in, the, in this Adventures League thing. Do you know, know anything about it? So through me, I went to Sean, who knew other guys who do AL in Wisconsin. I hooked him up with that. So he's been doing it at the local gaming store in my hometown of Wausau, Wisconsin. And he's been doing uh, pretty well. So we're hoping to have a couple more seats of that. I might reach out and see if I can find some folks who uh, who write Adventures League material. Might be able to see what we can do to kind of spice things up there. But between that, we're going to have um, magic tournaments, of course, and um, some couple small giveaways for some of that stuff. So well, it's it's all coming together. It's all coming together. This is usually what happens for EverCon because it's in January. About the end of October, first part of November, wham, we start getting hit with uh, events. So you can pre you can pre order your badge now, get a little bit cheaper, thirty five now or forty at the door for the weekend. And uh, yeah, so go out there, evercon.org, check it out. I think that's enough. Anything else? Uh, no, the website, well, just the website. So last time, last episode for folks that probably didn't get it, <laughs> everybody else is like, I didn't have a problem. Uh, we moved it. It's was successfully moved somewhat, I guess. Uh, everything is up and running and fairly easily. Um, I think part of episodes that weren't showing up was partly coincidental with iTunes or Apple podcasts, but and and the issues with the website, but now that the site is up, all the shows are showing up in Apple Podcasts and Podcatchers, and so everything should be fine and dandy. Yeah, I talked to uh, Corey Wynn over the weekend, and he had said he'd had some issues for a few weeks, but everything caught right back up as soon as you had it up and live. So whatever magic you have done, sir, your uh, website wizardry has proven out once again. Yeah, like literally, Brett, as I'm tearing down the, the, the site in my house with my laptop on my lap on a Friday night. 
Saturday Brett, night. Saturday night. Saturday night. Brett is like, hey, man, uh, website's down. Uh, Corey Wynn just did let me know. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like, Brett could not have messaged me at the worst time, talking to me about the worst topic at that moment. And I'm like, man, shouldn't See, you be gaming right now? I was gaming, too. We had a break. <laughs> so this is this is the... um. Because I'm an IT manager, right? So what that does is I have a sixth sense for when is the most inopportune time to find the engineer, walk over and say, hey, man, how's it going? Get the firewall up yet? And then look at you with hate and rage in their eyes. Like, oh, I'm just checking. No big deal. Oh, then you walk away. That so comes I, with leadership. I, I, felt, leadership. <laughs> I felt the disturbance in the, the IT force. I'm like, I checked my stuff at uh, the day job. I'm like, no, everything's oh fine. God, bet you Sean's, I bet you Sean's fucking with something. Hey, man, that's my website. Look at that. Oh, that is hilarious. Yes. Oh, God, that is too funny. Yeah. So everything was fine after uh, everything was resolved, like DNS-wise. All right. So anyways, sorry about the outage for folks that uh, were affected, but now everything should be fine. And I have it in a situation where um, uh, that I should not be dinking around with it for quite a while. I think I think I've got it to a point where – it's a little more formalized and uh, dick around proof. <laughs> it's Sean. We've tried to Sean proof it as much as humanly possible. Man. All right. It's all good. All Let's right. go in a random encounter. Let's do it. Off we go. All right. We have one, probably because there's. Uh, the, the site was down for a little while, so we don't have a ton of feedback. We probably lost up. half our listenership. I ah, fuck those guys. They finally they finally gave up. Oh, it's, it's about time. They a lot of listeners don't listen to it right away anyway. I know, but I'm still saying. And for those of you that are overachievers, hey, thank you. Thank you very much. Very nice. Thank you, thank you very much. So we have one email. You could go ahead, Brett, if you want to read it. All right. So we got Peter Skane's emails about um, 210. Uh, that episode, a couple back, about three back at this point. And he says, hey, BSers, I really like Ted's shout out to Earth Dawn's magic item progression mechanics. I never played Earth Dawn, but I think creating histories for magic items is an excellent way to flesh out a world. Absolutely agree, dude. That's one of the best things I think, I think that uh, when Ted brought that up. Anyway, he continues. It can be done by the GM, but my experience works better if it's done by the players. It's a great way to get players to commit to world building, and I find it really helps players that might be too hesitant to take that first step helping to create that world. And on top of that, it creates a little more player agency, which is always nice. Having items improve over time as players improve uh, also adds more player crunch. As Brett mentioned earlier, some of his players really love that player crunch thing that goes to plotting out what feats and abilities a PC can take over time. Having the players have a hand in doing the same thing with their magic items and gear can feed that same need and and uh, help keep <clears throat> excuse me help keep some players engaged. Plus, um, as is a transaction with the GM, it means there should always be plot hooks, interactions with the world, and then game requirements associated with any advancement, which in turn feeds the story. Anyway, keep up the great topics and thanks for the show, Peter. Cool. I think Pete, man, you Peter, you summed that up nicely. That's exactly my thoughts around the whole thing. So, really, really well done. Love it. Yeah. Thanks for writing in, Peter. You know, we could. Do you want to do so? Let's. Well, we'll throw this up here. We'll have a link later on. It's in Die Roll. But Jared Rasher had put out yes. a, a blog entry to episode uh, two twelve around maps, 
which I thought was pretty damn cool. Jared's been kind enough to, when we've had a couple topics that have spurred some thoughts, he's had a couple blog entries on us, which is always very flattering to Sean and I that somebody takes the time to put that much thought into something that we done, that we have done. So that's pretty cool. So we'll have a link um, in the die roll section. But yeah, just Jared, thanks, man. That was really cool of you. Yes, definitely check out Jared's uh, blog entry for sure, uh, amongst other things that he's talking about on his blog. Absolutely. Right. Anything else, man? We're good? No, I think we're good. Um, yeah. Let's get into uh, main topic, I think. All right, Brett. You ready? I'm re- are you ready? Oh, hell yeah. We talked about this last time. Cursed items. I like to think of it not so much as just cursed, but just bad gear. Or gear that's bad for the PCs. Well. You got your... It, sorry. Yes. Yes, go ahead. You've got Continue. your classic cursed swords. You've got device, devices, devices, devices with hidden locator beacons stuffed on the spaceship. You've got tracking, uh, tracking bugs placed on people. You've got all sorts of things... Um, you've got that gun that doesn't quite work right because the guy just failed to roll or something. One of my favorite bits in, uh, in the uh, original Hellboy comic series, there was a piece where this <clears throat> gentleman, Zinko, um, run, makes all this t- high-end technology for um, the BPRD, and Hellboy's jumping out of an airplane, falling, and he's hitting this button, and it doesn't work. <laughs> of course, whap, he lands in a mountain. Hey, he's Hellboy, so he's okay eventually. But it's just like, there you go. That's nice. And, of course, spoilers, it turns out Zinko's really a bad guy. But it doesn't always have to be cursed swords and bad magic. It can be all sorts of bad things. So you ready, Sean? Oh, yeah. So let me get right to it. Sean, do you use bad gear, cursed, bad, naughty, things that are designed potentially or even on purpose to give the player characters pain? Do you do this? Not as much as I should. Why do you say that? Do you say that just to be <laughs> it's just to be a spiteful bastard, or do you say it thinking, hey, there's a use in there I haven't thought of or I, I need to do? I think it creates great role playing moments, Brett. I, I don't I didn't think you cared about those, Sean. Do no, you care about those? Not really. No? Okay. Uh I, I think that they don't come up very often, at least in my my operation. Uh, of DMing, GMing. And I think that they should be fun and exciting and something that can lend to great situations well, you're in, running, every, in every session. Well, you're running every session. Constant, nothing but curses. I mean, you're running uh, pre-gen stuff a lot of times. As of I late. am, yeah. And so if the pre-gen, you know, Horde of the Dragon Queen... Tomb of Annihilation does not happen to have a cursed item in it, you know, and, and you're running it, you've got enough, <laughs> you probably have enough work cut out for you just to try to keep all the balls in the air and all the plates spinning as any game master does. And then to say, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to thrust a cursed magic item in here too. Or, hey, I'll use a, you know, a, a, a botched communicator or something. That can be a bit much to try to, you know, slam in, in amongst everything else that's going on. So, I guess for you, if it's not because of not just you, it's not like this isn't denigrating what you're doing, but if it's not in the book, it's not, it's not in the front of your mind to use that because you're looking at the adventure as a whole and how do I make it tick? True. True statement, Brett. 
That is very true. I'll tell you, though, even I, when I'm making it up and I'm building my own world and I'm having my own adventure on the fly or whatever it is, unless it's a Call of Cthulhu game, a Trail of Cthulhu, something horror game where items tend to have really bad effects, right? You pick up the horrible mask, place it upon your face. Hey, guess what? Horrible things will happen to you. Um, I do not often think of cursed items either. You know, it, it's it doesn't pop up as much as it used to back when I was a kid. And I think that was because we used to use the random magic item charts a lot more. Oh, <laughs> and, and, yeah. were cur- and cursed items were on the random magic item charts, and you'd get that sucking thing, and you'd be stuck with this magic sword that your character thought was great, but was actually a minus two to hit and damage. That's that's what I remember the most about those types of things when it comes to cursed items. Well, and so they, and maybe we'll get into this or touch on it, but you know, sometimes these can be really a big old flipping the bird into the player's face at times. Yeah. So when you get that, I remember <laughs> being a player at the time and you would get this thing. Like, I have a minus two. It's a cursed sword. Yeah, but your character doesn't think it is. Your character thinks it's awesome because it's cursed. Right. And you can't get rid of it, even if you find out it is. Right. You have to have remove curse or some other wacky ass thing cast on you. Right. Like, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> and so it just it becomes a sudden side quest for that character with the cursed, with the magical cursed item to say, fuck all this. How do I get rid of this thing? Right. I have this horrible, the ultimate white elephant gift in the DD world needs to go away. In a in a more modern setting. If you have a hidden locator beacon on your, you know, on your Millennium Falcon, you're like, oh, ah, I found that fucker. Throw it in space. Hey, damn it. This gun didn't work. That son of a bitch. I'll go get Charlie who sold me the the bum firearm. Or, you know, you find a bug in your office in the spy game or whatever. It, you deal with it and it becomes a plot point. But um, it uh, has always felt to me, and perhaps this is just how... Uh, of how I've played that anytime you got the actual cursed magic item, it was a big flip the bird at the player. <laughs> Guess what? I don't want to run tonight. So here's a cursed item. Screw around, kids. Let's see if you can get rid of that. <sighs> well, it just it, it just is, and I don't blame players for getting perturbed at cursed items because they really screw around with your whole, especially well, D&D. Like you're stuck with it. I mean, I don't, yeah. I have not read a current, I have not read 5e's rules on cursed magic items, so I don't oh, know I was on my if they're list. just, if they're just as bad, I should have done it as well. I was playing right. D&D yesterday. I should have looked it up, but I failed to. Anyhow, I'm cursed not to look up rules, apparently. Anyhow, um, back in the day, you just couldn't get rid of it. You needed to remove curse. This is one of the reasons why the spell was very handy to have. You didn't have it, you weren't getting rid of it. In a modern game or a sci-fi game or something else, when you have bad gear or a disadvantage, disadvantageous gear that's causing a problem, you know, a bug in your office or your body armor actually has a GPS locator in it that tells you tells the bad guys where you are, you can get rid of it. Ah, fuck. And you chuck it. It's gone. Mm-hmm. But there's something about that magical curse where it's latched onto you and you're like, no, you can't just get rid of it. You've discovered the problem. You can't fix it. You need to go through special means, policies, and devices in order to figure out how the hell to get free of this thing. That's the kicker. Did you, when you were younger, did you have, were the cursed items, were they prevalent and it was like the game master just fucking with the players or what? how did that go? Yeah, it was more prevalent definitely when I was younger. I don't think it was 
I think I don't think it was intentional to I mean to some degree I think it's always a bit intentional. <laughs> I mean even if it says like in writing, hey, this is this item and this is the effects of anybody that touches and picks it up. But I think we would have a game master that would always slide it into a room knowing it, it's so predictable. You know a player's going to pick it up. You know a player's just going to be like, hey, I'm going to grab that. Oh, okay. And then you you love it. It's like the greatest thing since sliced bread. You know, you can't be without it. And anybody that looks at it strange, you get, you know, offended and, and insecure about it. You know, and as soon as you start pouring on that stuff, they're like, God damn it. I freaking picked up a cursed item, didn't I? Yeah, no, I'm stuck with this thing. Just no, yeah, great. Right, right. And so we I do think they were more prevalent when we were younger. I don't think it was every adventure we went on that we'd come across them. Um Well, they never seemed to have any, at least back in the day when I was a kid, they'd never had any actual plot use other than which is where the fuck you comes in. This sword is horrible. Oh, this is a cursed backbiter throwing weapon. I throw it, it hits me instead. What the hell? Ha ha. You fool. You didn't do the right precautions, therefore you got hurt type of thing. I think now the reason it doesn't make me, I, I don't think about it is that I, I don't have them randomly placed. I think about like the hidden locator beacon, you know, the the, the, the bug planted in the spy's office, whatever. There's a purpose for it. It's there because the bad guys are doing a very specific thing and want data or knowledge, or they're trying to trap you into a thing. You've been given a false map or something along those lines. And there's a reason for that to occur. The capriciousness of sorting through the dragon's horde, and guess what? <laughs> there's a, a weapon that seems really cool, but it's actually, you know, not. I think there's that, that the randomness and capriciousness of it just makes when it hits you in in that fashion the some players are like yep yeah, well that's them's the breaks right. i'm playing D&D you know son of a gun that's just how she goes man let's rock and roll she just picks up her curse sword and wanders around and fights with it until somebody figures out a cast remove curse on her character although she's just wailing away with it and other people will, like lose their fucking mind as players and right. uh, the whole game comes to a screeching halt while you figure out how to fix this thing which is great when it happens like six levels down in a dungeon you know yeah yeah, well, and if you're running 5e D&D and you're going to make the curse be disadvantage on all your rolls, I mean, man, talk about just plain <laughs> sucking wind. Now, all I think day. I think also what you're saying, though, Brad, and I understand what you're getting, getting at while you're comparing, like, devices in modern games, like bugs and things of that nature. I don't know if I would classify them in the same – I mean, I, yes, the, the point of what they do I think is similar – but it does have the same impact. I think you're right. Well, one is, I mean, one is cursed. And so with a curse, I think there's a bit of a story. There's a bit of a, I mean, it's a hex. Well, there so, should be, there should be a story. Right. Yes. And, and there, there is whether the players find out what it is or not, but I'm saying that it's a little different than like a device that has a particular function. Right. So if I wanted to, like if you're in star Wars and you're going to put a beacon on the ship, that's a little different than an item that has some inherent weird mysticism that makes it in a, a, a bad results with one the of my, player character. One of my favorite players fucking other players moments was in a vampire game I was running. 
who is um, Milwaukee by night. And then there's werewolves around Milwaukee. Werewolves and vampires they don't get along. I see. It's so, like Twilight. It's like Twilight. I get it. Oh. All right. Were, werewolves and vampires don't get along in Twilight, right, Brett? I, I have no idea, Sean. Because <laughs> I'm not I'm not stupid. Hey, get get Lana on here. Ask her. I, Ilana, Ilana hates that too. Really? Yeah. She's not she's not dumb. She knows right from wrong. AJ knows Twilight. Ask him. My children know just, right from wrong. My just, children know right from wrong. Twilight just, is wrong. Everybody knows that. Moving I just, on. I just need this confirmed. <laughs> Next. So what happens is you have this thing, you have a spell that certain thaumaturgists can cast, which is a, a um, basically it's a rune that is a ward <clears throat> against kindred, a ward against lupines or whatever it is. It's, it's a protection. And the one PC was being a complete dick to the other guy. And Mike looked at me and said, can I reverse this? I'm like, Look, look, read, read, read. I'm like, huh, I don't see why not. So we make up a roll, difficulty class, da-da-da. Oh, yeah, sure, you did it. So the other guy's walking around with this ward, warded blade, and he gets jumped by <laughs> by a small pack of werewolves. He pulls it out, and they're like, oh, you! <laughs> they come right at right at him as opposed to everybody else who happened to be with him. It was, uh, it was hilarious because uh, I was on the outside looking in. But that was a very, there was a reason why I was there. One, the one vampire would be a complete asshole to the other one. And he said, fine, I'll get you. I can't fight you face to face. <clears throat> I can't discredit you because you've already ruined me socially. So I'm going to do this thing for you to show you. I, you know, no hard feelings. Here you go. And he uh, walked out with this basically great big uh, uh, werewolf lodestone. <laughs> Just sucked shape changers to him and yeah, got him damn near dead again. So that when that happened, that was a magical curse that occurred, but it was meaning. Uh, it had meaning to it. Yeah. As opposed to the randomness. And even in um what was it? Three O and, and three five Pathfinder stuff, you'd have bestow curse, hmm. which could yeah. be a son of a gun. If you if you ladled that on somebody, that was a bastard of a spell. Um but there was a meaning into it, right? You were in combat and the bad guy or you know, the the archpriest, priestess, evil person went wham and nailed you with it. You're like, oh, well, eh, that's what you get for fighting evil clerics or whatever the case is. You know, you, that was all part and parcel to it. You you knew that. There was a meaning behind it as opposed to the random magic item found in the dragon's horde type of thing. That's true. <sighs> that said, though, you should be able to take the random magic item in the, in the dragon's horde and, and put some meaning to it, right? You can ascribe meaning to it. Sure. You should be able to take that thing and turn to make a story out of it. Yeah, many have the old, uh, the death, kind of the last thing before they died. You know, this went wrong. Or even uh, Lord Soth, that's a great curse too. Oh, gee, Death Knight thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I fucked this up, killed, murdered everybody. And I don't know, I'm a Death Knight. Great. Yeah, well, it was jealousy, right? Lover involved, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, And he was a Knight of Salamnia. And- yes, yeah, he broke a bunch of oaths and went nuts, and yeah, then he had uh, internal damnation essentially. Yeah, Knight of the Black Rose. What are you gonna yeah, do? Yeah, it's good stuff. Good story. But so the interesting—I th- don't know if it's interesting or not—but I guess, do you think after just this little blurb, do you think curses are something that like? Regular, if regular, if <clears throat> beneficial magic is very common, right? Combat spells beneficial to somebody, at least the one on the delivering end. 
beneficial healing potions or whatever it is. Do you think that when we're talking cursed items specifically, again, if we want to push um, other bad gear out, which makes sense, um, do you think they should be as prevalent or more common than maybe they are? I, I Perhaps I'm, I'm asking you about your world or me versus mine. I think to some degree they should be depending on what you're – what you are putting forth in front of the player. So a, a good example or a more appropriate example of putting them in front of characters maybe more often is if they're maybe in a D&D campaign or a fantasy campaign that has to do with quite a bit of undead or evil, um, you know, maybe abominations of some kind where, you know, picking up those items have an adverse effect on the good hearted heroes right so yeah that's a great sword you're gonna pick it up it's really powerful but then you know it's icy cold and it turns your heart black yeah okay okay or whatever right it's it's not where you're going i mean there's a sense of that being kind of associated with it so how do you you're not picking up a sword of just somebody else that you happen to kill or yeah. You know, steal it from. <clears throat> I guess I, hmm, how do I think about this? So the other, the other thing is that apart from even items themselves, curses placed on people and so on. You know, I remember being threatened by NPCs that if you don't do this quest, you'll have a geese put upon you. You'll have no choice. Like, God damn it. <laughs> you know, you'd be. Captured prisoner and the king or queen be like, all right, fine. You don't want to do what I told you to do Zot. There, now you have no choice. Go do the thing. Um, Which is a, a form of a curse. I just don't, I don't use them often in my fantasy games. And the more we talk about this, I don't know why I'm not using them. Well, I think they don't have, have to, to be like crazy, but. No, you have to use them sparingly. They should have some type of purpose. Unless, of course, you're wanting to just. You know, nothing, nothing squat. I mean, it's essentially a trap, right? It is essentially if you're just going to throw in a cursed weapon, right? Yeah. You throw it in a pile of something. They can pick locks. They can detect traps. They could disarm traps. They go into a treasure chest or whatever, or an armory, and they grab that cool looking weapon that maybe even has a will save behind it. And yeah. give me a wisdom save. I failed. But, uh, yeah. So I think it, I think it's situational. Um, I think it could be used more prevalently than, than they are in general, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. So in, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, but, you know, one thing we're not talking about either is like cursed lands, cursed, you know, look, so cursed locations. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a you good know, point. Cursed items that maybe aren't associated with weaponry or what the characters would carry. So that I use more often. You yeah. have an area in a, you have an area that's like an ancient temple to an evil god and that room has horrible negative effects on good people, basically, right? Sure. It's it's cursed. It's defiled. It's bad. Right. Um, a forest that has been taken over by an evil entity or something, it it's, then has the emanation, the curse rolling off of it. So that I do often. 
you know, using that kind of uh, plot device of saying, hey, there's, you know, the uber bad person is here or the remnants of the evil goddess are, is here and therefore things flow from that and it feels bad when in the room and you have a, a negative on turning checks. You have undead tend to be more powerful or blah, 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 blah. So I hadn't thought about that actually, but yeah, you're right. Those that's a, it's item on a larger scale, right? Instead of just a sword, it's a chunk of land or a forest or entire biome <laughs> type of thing. So okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I thought about that, but that I use. Do you use those? I haven't, but I I would want to in again certain campaigns. Um, that and and even items that are not weapons or something that the player might possess, like you know, chairs, rocking chairs in a particular keep or, you know, shackles in a particular dungeon or whatever that might be where you just come across it. And, you know, when you could even write it into the adventure where it's, you know, maybe it's a dining table and you're, you're going to sit down to eat and, you know, this chair happens to be cursed. I mean, there's things that we... You, yeah, you can't, you cannot be satiated while you're sitting here. You just eat and eat and eat and eat. And you yeah. never you never feel full and you actually eat till you explode or something horrible. Or that pair of manacles that is vampiric in nature for some reason. And you just say, oh, I've got this pair of manacles. This is handy. I'm going to... We've captured Prince so-and-so and I'll, I'll uh, bind him up and I'll use these manacles. The next thing you know, it's drained his life energy and he's turned into a vampire thrall. <laughs> Like, holy fuck, I didn't know those manacles did that. Yeah, well, he didn't check. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so instead of it being the overt weapon combat item, you know, type of thing, turning it into land, that's good. Obvious. Temples, obvious. But some of the bits of gear, that weird thing, it's bad. So even some people have, um, some things are just bad luck. Right. You know? Yep. Every time I use this rake, something bad happens to me. Every time I use a shovel, something stupid happens. It's just bad luck. You know, this hammer, you will hit your thumb. <laughs> you know, right? Type of thing. Yeah. Well, and that's a good point. You and you can also make something that's cursed that isn't always so detrimental. I think that's another thing too. So if you throw a weapon into a treasure hoard, you know, we're always so apt to, you know, make the weapon a negative two, a negative one, or disadvantage, and it's, it's just a big permanent boom always in permanent. Your face. You yeah. can't get rid of it until you do remove curse. But what if it is, you know, maybe it's a it's a good weapon, regular weapon, mastercraft, uh, masterwork weapon. Maybe it's even a plus one weapon. But if it's against a particular race or a particular monster, then it's always negative two, or it's always a disadvantage. And maybe it's tied into the reason why it's cursed, right? Yeah. So you're, maybe you're a paladin, maybe a paladin lost the sword and uh, it was supposed to be, you know, they were supposed to hold the town against goblin hordes and the goblins overran them and the, you know, paladin and fled their duties. And because of that, the the sword was cursed or whatever the, the backdrop is. So whenever, so maybe the, the, the player doesn't know it's cursed. Hey, you got a plus two sword, a plus one sword. Ooh, that's big deal. Yay. And they write it down. And then all of a sudden you throw that one encounter that's full of goblins at them and they just can't hit them to save their lives. Yeah. They're rolling awesome and nothing's working. Nothing's working. Or the, um, they're wearing the ring or the cloak or whatever it is. And, 
this person who's a representative from this family just keeps getting one over on them. They just have to do what they say. They just feel compelled to listen to them and they don't know why. And it's just a problem. Oh, it happens to be the magic item, the cursed magic item you have. It's really yeah. good for everything else except against this group or this family. Or even just things that are outside. I mean, there's so many creative ways you can get curses involved that make it really interesting without totally screwing the player. Like even just having something that's, uh, you know, maybe they come across the ring and the ring allows them to turn know. invisible. And that just happens to be no, a no. dread. I'm sorry. Go keep going. <laughs> Maybe the ring allows them to see in the dark. Yeah. Right. So humans are like, great. And, but at the same time, they can't stop talking. So oh, this they, is great. I can't believe I can see in the dark. This is amazing. <laughs> can, you talk, can you see the dark? I can fucking see in the dark. This is awesome. So what happens is they can see in the dark, which would be great, but then they can never be sneaky because they're always talking. They feel compelled to just ramble. Like those things would be hilarious and they would be great role-playing moments because you'd be like well all right you're gonna put the ring on yeah it's dark in here I don't, you know i'm gonna put on the ring all right chatty chuck you're in just stream of bizarre words or he'll or you put it on and you can only and you only speak in like under common yeah no, I mean, and you don't even know under common it doesn't matter you only speak in goblin or whatever i mean there's just so many interesting creative ways that you can you can if you're one to using clocks these the, a tool basically where you set a timer yeah. that says oh after x number of uses this occurs oh sure y sure. number of uses this other thing occurs after one thing it's kind of like if um uh spider-man at some point when spider-man gets the gets venom right attached to him he would he was waking up tired going, oh i wonder what's going on finally he wakes up one night goes motherfucker the suit is swinging me through the through the city this is why i'm so tired all the time you know, this is how he started starts to figure out that there's problems. That's a very uh, a brief summation of a very long story arc. Regardless, you've got the ring that lets you see in the dark. After X number of uses, everything else seems kind of hazy in daylight. The light hurts your eyes. And eventually you have to be in the dark. You can't see in the daytime anymore. It just <clears throat> the light burns your eyes too badly. You you have to future so bright, you gotta wear shades all the time, man. Nothing you can do. Or you could you could even place a uh, during the day thing. Like if it's during the day, this is what, occur- like maybe it's tied to some type of uh, lycanthropy. Um, Moon phase. Yeah. Yeah. So it's dark and you get this real, real cool benefit of using X or Y or whatever the item is. But during the day, it's just normal or maybe borderline worthless, but you could, or you can make it normal, but the, the benefits are certain times of the day. So you're almost like, giving a boon to a player character, even though it's a cursed, well, is it a cursed item? Maybe. I don't know. Well, that's where it gets interesting, right? Because it's, it's not negative. Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Or the negative isn't that bad. And that's where the curse becomes more interesting, right? It's kind of like the, this is where I get to, you know, a bad piece of gear where it's like, Oh, there's a, there's um, the bad guys have bugged my office. Do I tear the bug out? says the spy, or do I start planning false information for the bat? So it becomes a, a, a point right. where you can decision upon versus I got to get rid of this thing. But if you have this necklace that lets you turn into a raven, but at a certain point you can't help but collect shiny things and make nests and um, boy, you're growing pin, you're growing pin feathers off the back of your head. This could be a problem. Right. Or you might say, well, I could be a were raven though. That could be cool. Maybe, maybe I'm turning into a, a Kenku or something. 
do you wait it out? Do you think that's a good idea? Is that a bad idea? <laughs> you know, there's there's a number of and you can get as dark or light or as you said, as goofy as you want with it. Yeah, you can talk. You can <laughs> you can see the dark, but you're a non-stream, non-stop stream of just verbal barrage. You know, yeah, and you can get player and then players won't see themselves as getting totally hosed in the whole deal. They'll they'll be the first they'll be excited to go, hey, yeah, you got to. This is what this happens. Yes. Or, it's, you know, it's, this is what happens. And you'll be like, oh, great. And then there's this other shortcoming. You're like, oh, okay. Well, no. it didn't kill me. It wasn't bad. It was annoying. Does it get worse, though? One way to find out. <laughs> so as the game master, the thing is, is if you do that kind of trade-off type of item, then you have to keep in mind what happens when the players want to remove curse. Does yeah. it remove all the properties? Does it remove just the negative? Maybe okay. it removes the positive and keeps the negative. I don't know. Yeah, may maybe the damage is permanent. There's nothing you can do about that short of a wish spell or something. That's when you yeah. you need to <clears throat> That's where the kind of the punishment must fit the crime almost. I don't bad euphemism perhaps, but if what you're doing with this cursed item is a gradual but uncontrollable descent into madness, Okay, I could see, you know, you need a wish spell to fix it. If it's just an annoying tick, you probably, you know, should be able to get rid of it with some, you know, Epsom salt and a nice hot bath or something. But it, it shouldn't be quite as bad, you know. You shouldn't need a wish or limited wish to get rid of every stupid little curse, especially if they're teeny. At least it feels that way to me. I think it's a good way to get kind of creative with some items, whether you make them. You know, you could do, you know, when you say creative with items, that tells me. Add that to all what we just talked about this right at the top of the show. We went back to where Peter Skeens is talking about uh, Ted's Earth on magic item piece, right? If you're growing magic items, they don't all have to grow good or they no. could be a downside to it. Like, look, you want to push this magic item. You're going to have to have a negative effect with it or, hey, this is a really cool plus two flame tongue blade. But remember you know, it it's has this it has this flaw or it causes this thing to happen. Or, or you, you could Stormbringer, you could, Stormbringer is a classic example. Elric. Did you ever read the Elric books? I started to way on in my early teens, but But you get Stormbringer and it's like, look, I'm gonna do this thing. I'm gonna kill and murder and suck souls and you'll be you'll be stronger for it. <laughs> it's I mean it's classic hardcore crazy, you know, a uh, bad weapon, but You've got this thing that no, I'll, it just wants to make sure you're you you drink a lot. Your character's drunk, a lot. You right. know you can't stop it. It's just it. You have this uncontrollable urge, you know, or you, you just can't ever seem to not be full. You're always hungry. You know, right? Even though you know you've eaten enough, you're cognitively aware that you've eaten enough, but you you have this annoying thing that eventually ratchets up to disadvantage if you haven't eaten any food in the last two hours yeah then you feel son of a bitch yeah yeah you feel drawn out or weak yes or whatever side effect it is yeah or just it takes life force from you classic right well hey you know you've been using this flame tongue blade non-stop and it's got to get us energy from somewhere sorry charlie <laughs> take you, you lose uh you lose two dice what yeah two dice off your hit points your hit points stay the same but in 5e terms like your hit die pool that right. drops yeah and you can, there's ways to mess with it. Then you gotta, again, how bad or how hard. Interesting. I like this. Yeah. But yeah. this is the idea of making magic items interesting, growing, and changing. 
doesn't always have to be good. And, and the negative effects don't have to be <clears throat> hardcore old, old school curse with the ha-ha whack. It's a backbiter, can't get rid of it. Or it's a of the, one of the other classes, classics is of, of berserking. I have to attack your friends. Sorry, I can't stop it. Type of thing. <laughs> That that seems that seems all fun and games until the mage takes one in the face, right? That's <laughs> that's get all a, really get cute. A, get a bag of holding and allow them to put anything in there that has any value, and it disappears. But anything that doesn't have any value that you put in there, it it keeps. It's like a bizarre. Uh, <laughs> count, it's like an odd version of the bag of devouring. You know. Yeah. Or the, the bag of holding um, mundane items. It just shits the other ones out somewhere in the ether right. somewhere. I don't want that. So All you your can, gold coins are somewhere in the, in the ethereal plane. I don't know. You can carry as many rocks as you want in that bag of holding. Or if the bag of holding was made from the stomach lining of a Zorn, which eats gems and other crazy things like that. You know, this bag of holding was used. This material component was used with it. Guess what that means? <laughs> eats everything but rocks or whatever it does. Yeah. And Interesting. It was, and it was made for a princess by her loved one to try to get her to overcome her selfishness. Yes. Yeah. Right. You, that, yeah. you know, that would be the reason. So anytime she would it. put a diamond in there, it would disappear and blah, blah, blah. Interesting. I like it. Yeah. Cool. Good stuff. All right, so folks out there, if you, uh, hopefully, um, Sean is correct, the website is fixed and everybody's getting all their downloads. So how do you guys, and how do you men and women out there, how are you folks using curses? Are you using them in the old school fashion only? Do you do the cursed land? How are you dealing with it? Do you have better ideas? Are there game systems out there? Sean and I clearly don't know all of the game systems, and uh, we're not even all that good with the ones we do know sometimes. Um, what are we missing? What's better and what's a um, what options are, are you folks using? Let us know about it so we can uh, in, uh, inform the others. Cool. Shall we, man? Yeah. Die roll. I'm all right. So I've got a few this week. Brett, you want to, You can use the one I put up there. Yeah, the one I was um, <clears throat> going to throw out was Greg Stafford, founder of Chaosium. Uh, he, he built Glorantha, RuneQuest, Ghostbusters, Pendragon, um, he's passed away uh, as of October 11th. He was 70 years old. He was a very, you read about him. He's just an interesting, very interesting man. Very big into shamanism and, um, and so on. He's just, just all around kind of a cool dude. I do not know anybody that I've ever spoken to who's met him that ever had a bad thing to say about the guy. You know, Matt Forbeck, Sean, I, I know Matt, you know, cursorily. We've seen him at cons and fr- another friendly guy. Um, John Wick and others, they've looked up to to Mr. Stafford for decades. As yeah, this, influential. This very very influ- influential. Very influential in the gaming RPG sphere. Yeah. yeah, I mean, his his knowledge of the Arthurian legend and what became Pendragon and so forth. And, I mean, without Chaosium, you don't have Call of Cthulhu and Sandy Peterson and, and all that stuff. It's just – and Glorantha, um, they're still doing Glorantha stuff now. They did a 13th Age Glorantha through um, Pelgrane Press, and Robin Laws is, is making – currently working on another Glorantha thing and uh, board games and whatnot. It's just this huge RuneQuest love and uh, really sad. I mean, 70 is, uh, as I get older, Sean, 70 isn't that, isn't that old anymore, you know? So it's, it's a loss. It's very sad. Yeah. Yeah. So 
uh, condolences out to Greg Stafford's family and, uh, you know, yeah, I'm sure he'll be missed by quite a lot of people within the, uh, RPG industry. All right. So on to another one. Wizards releases camo ampersand t-shirt. So they did one for LBGTQ and this one is to support charity, um, called Operation Gratitude which sends care packages to soldiers deployed overseas, also sends care packages to first responders and wounded heroes and their caregivers. So that is going to end October 21st, 2018. So we'll have a link to Operation Gratitude and what they do. And then we'll have a link to the article on, um, oh shoot, I think it's comics, comic, whatever. Custom, Custom Inc. There's a, the link, yeah. customink.com. And then if you go to Custom Inc. is where you can actually buy the, the ampersand. swag, yeah. Uh, so t-shirts, hoodies, yeah, a couple other options. Uh, so if you want to give and get something in return, there's something for you. Um, step-by-step guide, and my number two, step-by-step guide to creating D&D 5e characters by Jacob Waterman. So most uh, that we're talking to may have a good, solid, you know, you know, got our heads wrapped around doing that. But if you want an online resource that goes right through step one, two, three, four, uh, that's a pretty good one. It's one of those things where everybody learns differently, right? So sometimes I explain something, you explain it, you've tried to read it, you don't get it. It's always worth taking another crack at it. And sometimes um, I have gone through and made a character, made a character, and somebody looks at you and says, did you know that this race gets this bonus and that you should have followed this step? Like, holy crap, I didn't even know that was a thing. Because you're like a fool like Brett and you glossed over it. So don't be a fool like Brett. Check it out. It's good stuff. Uh, And then with the theme of the evening or the day or the show, seven terrifying cursed objects that exist in real life. It's a little older article off IO9, but some inspiration for you and some of the stories behind those. And then uh, the last one, 15 cursed items for your 5e game that's featured on the home brewery. So if you want to check those out, uh, they're certainly good resources. One that I do not have listed that I should just kind of put a shout out um, is the latest episode of Manifest Zone. Ah. So if you're Manifest Zone with Christian Serrano and the gang, uh, to include Keith Baker and Wayne Chan. Yep, yep. yep. And Scott W. So they do an Eberron. They continued the magic discussion of Eberron and actually brought us up on the show. And Oh, that's nice. Yeah. They said, hey, you know, go over and check out what we started. So it's episode 14, Magic Items. And they have, uh, they elaborate on that. So it's just continuing our episode, what is it, uh, 206, I think it was. I think it was. I think, yeah. So anyways, thanks to those guys for... Uh, mentioned us on the show. And then the last one we mentioned, which was Jared Rasher. Yep. So we have a link to his blog about talking about maps. So sometimes we get him riled up enough to have him. He, he just can't <laughs> comment. He's got to do a full blog entry. Um, and so that's what he did. So check that out for sure. Thanks, Jared, for doing that. Good stuff. What are we talking about next week, Brett? Next week, we're going to talk about undead and uh, similar special foes like that. It's, yeah, shit, it's October, man. We got to talk, we got curses. Might as well talk about undead. What the hell? Yeah, they got a little theme going on. Yeah, we kind of do. Yeah, for Halloween. 
Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll chat about that and see what we see. I don't think every country that we uh, have listeners from probably uh, partake in Halloween. Possibly not. I so, don't know. In the U.S., we have Halloween October 31st, which is... All Hallows' Eve. Yeah. Dress up like goofballs and go and get tricks or treats. Which is mostly just an excuse for kids to get candy. True. And then it's an excuse for adults to scare the shit out of people. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Joe Swick, Brett's biggest fan, Forrest Gary, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Remy Bilodeau, Jason Hobbs, Wayne Humphleet, James Carpio, Pure Mongrel, Lord Tentacle, Brandon Barnes, Dan LaValle, C.W. Mellencamp, The Lost Sailor, Misdirected Mark Productions, Christopher Gray, Finolf, Merkel Froelich, Eileen Barnes, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Todd Crapper, Alexander Auerbach, Neil Benson, Chris Steele, Eric Hoffman, Kyle Winter, Christopher Lang, Curtis Takahashi, Mark Tasaka, Larry Hout, Ray Otis, Ron Bishop, Craig Huber, Xavier G, JV, John Hammersley, The Closet Gamer, John Steve, Mark Richmond, Thomas Hook, Chad Glayman, Sky, Roger Brasslett, Craig, Howard Bishop, Jim Fitzpatrick, Peter Skeins, Josh Wallace, Corey Welch, Eli Kurtz, Edwin Nagy, Bruce Cunnington, Tim Shorts, Angus, Rolf Guild, Gordon Cranford, Eric Salsweedle, Matt Cyberlick, Jack Neller, Robert Nemeth, Eric Bontz, Palladian, Ron Blessing, Brian Kurtz, Knights of the Night Crew, Laramie Wall, Evan Harrison Cass, Malcolm Cool, Blake Ryan, Jared Rasher, Todd McGowan, Kevin Lovecraft, and Perry Basor. For ways to support the show, head over to gamingnbs.com forward slash support dash us. Thanks, BSers! This has been a Litterbox Studio production. production.